when we were shoveling snow to play ball in February and March. For me, it's playing ice hockey with the boys and making that amazing pass. And when the clock went down to zero, every team just came down to the court and they started just to celebrate with us. And that moment was so pure because I just remember thinking, wow, like we're just a big team. Hey, this is Dominic Susi, and welcome to my purest sports moment. This episode was so nice with Emily Christopher. I just, uh, I was introduced by Emily by Rochelle West, who was, I think, their our second guest on this purest sports moment podcast, and. I was just like in awe. Like <laughs> I was like, she's she's the definition of a pure athlete. She's the definition of a pure coach. I just wish I could send my kids actually to her for the summer and just like for her to have a look at them and coach them. And I'm so proud to have her on, on the podcast today. So I, I hope you guys are gonna enjoy this podcast. And uh, me and Emily already talked about maybe coming on other podcasts together. I'm having a podcast every Friday uh, on the Locker Room app, so in the morning, 9 a.m., so I wish she she's going to come. It's the Pure Coach podcast. So it just like feels right to for her to be there. And yeah, enjoy it. Uh, it was really nice. Love it. Hey, Emily. Hey, Bianca. How you guys, you guys doing? Man, I'm great. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. Happy to be talking to y'all today. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Emily with two E. That's my first time. I'm Francophone. Is that, is that something that, 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 that you see out there? I thought it was like a Y normally in Emily. Normally, it is a Y. Um, my parents, we just do things differently. My name is actually a blending of both of my grandmother's names. Uh, my grandmother, Emma, and my grandmother, Aisley. So I took the E-M from Emma and the I-L-E-E from Aisley and made Emily. That's beautiful. You know, I, I appreciate the story. You know, got a, little, got a little piece of both of them. Yeah, it's perfect. Like, I, I do believe that actually, like, there's actually a piece of us, like, in a, a piece of us that goes down, like, to our, the next generation. So I, I love that you actually, you put that in your, you had that in your name. That's the, I think that's, that's pretty deep, actually. That's a, I love it. I'm like, I have four kids. We always choose the name, so I can't do it right now. But we might do it with the. I, I might, I might try to start that that movement actually for my grandkids or something like that one day. Hey, there's a lot, uh, lot of I'm power not, in the name. Yeah, I'm not there yet, though. No, no, <laughs> no grandkids for now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Arlen, you tell, telling me right now. So obviously, you, you pretty. You, we're going to talk about Arlen a bit because like basketball is a, it, it was the basketball mecca at some point, but sure. before Arlen, you were, I would love to know, like, before we start with the purest uh, sports moment stuff, uh, what, what is your background in sports so we can actually know, know a bit more about, about some stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So I was born in Newark, New Jersey. So right across the water from the city. Um, and my family, we moved to the South when I was pretty young. So I was about four. We moved to uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, which was like a very interesting change because we went from a very diverse brown Newark, New, York, New Jersey to a very suburban white Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, 
lived there for a couple of years. That's actually where I started playing basketball. So I started playing basketball when I was five. My dad was my first coach. And it was just one of those things that I kind of fell in love with because I'm the youngest of three and the only girl. Um, so my brothers played all types of sports. And really, I just yeah. wanted to be like my brothers, right? Like I wanted to do everything that they did. It was kind of one of those anything you can do, I can do better type situations. Um, okay. And that's kind of what ended up happening. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, it feels like my entire life. It's just like whatever they were doing, I was the youngest, right? Like I wanted to do it too. Like, you know, even like I'm sure when I was little, they're walking around the house running, et cetera. I'm like, I was probably like in the chair, just like wanting to get out, like ready to go. Um, I've always looked up to my brothers and just, you know, super thankful for the ways in which they helped support me as I grew up. And when we left Georgia, uh, I was eight years old. We moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, which was another like shift for me because we went from somewhat of a more affluent suburb to now more of like middle-class suburb. And it was interesting because, you know, I, I found myself, I found myself engaging with now a lot more black and brown kids um, in ways that to an extent, my suburban start to basketball didn't prepare me for. Right. So when you, when you could, when you're, when you're playing with the white kids and you're like, you know, you're, I was pretty, I'm pretty tall. Like you're the, the kind of bigger, you know, and girls develop faster than boys. You're bigger than a lot of people, et cetera. Then you go to a neighborhood where like now there are other girls and boys, same size as you, strong, as strong as, or stronger than you. And it's like, okay, so like this YMCA basketball is very different than Alpharetta, Georgia YMCA basketball. Um, and so you had to get tough, right? You had to get tough. And, you know, I, I remember in it, like every house that we lived in in North Carolina, we almost either always had a goal in the driveway or we always had a, like a, a, a court somewhere local that we could like walk to. And shout out to my, to my middle brother, Kai, you know, he was kind of the one that was like, he took a, a strong love to basketball as well. And so he really like, like kind of was my first trainer, right? Like he would have me outside late at night with like, I don't know if you're like the, the jump man shoes on, right? Like my usually like strap those joints onto your shoes and working your calf raises and stuff like Yeah, the big like the cushion joint. We'd be like outside. He had me shooting jump shots with those things on, like training me like I was in high school. It was crazy. Um, and you got that brother. You, you got that type of brother. Yeah, like, well, he, so he's two years older wow. than me. Like there's, there's, there's a five year gap between us. My oldest brother's five years older and then Kai is two years older than me. And so okay. Kai, like we're, we're kind of close in age, but there still is that difference. And especially like him being a boy, he's bigger, stronger, faster, et cetera. And he was the one that I was really trying to keep up with. My oldest brother, Jay, it's kind of like I get kind of similar to like getting a part of both my grandmother's names. Like I have a part of both of my brothers where like my oldest brother, Jay is the intellectual one. My brother Kai was like the athletic one. And so yeah. I have both pieces from them as well. So it was like with Jay, we'd be like reading books and studying and doing puzzles and Legos and all of that. With Kai, we're like, we're out in the backyard, running drills, playing games. Like, you know, I remember the first time, <laughs> I think I was like 13 or 14. Like the first time I beat him one-to-one -one, and he was like, wait a minute. Like he had been kind of like training me. Like, honestly, I'm like, you taught me how to beat you. Cause I played with you like probably every day from like five to 13, 14 years old. And like the first wait, time wait, I- Wait, 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 you, you beat, you beat out your, your brother like two years older than you at 13? I think I was like 13 or 14. I remember he was like trying out for, he was either trying out or like decided he didn't want to play high school ball. I was getting ready for the team. And it was like either that first summer or that, that summer after my ninth grade year, we were like playing 21 and I, I, I put a couple little, put a couple buckets on him. He was like, whoa, wait a minute. And it was kind of like just this progression of like, I really, I, I wow. really fell in love with it. Um, 
and over time, you know, I played AAU, middle high school, you know, my high school teams, shout out to the Southeast Raleigh Bulldogs, just phenomenal program. We had many a run deep into the state tournament. We never, we like the, my last year, we were, I know we were supposed to win. I've, I've let it go. Um, but I think that there's, there's been, you know, just many opportunities where I've really had a great way that sports has just shown me who I can be and who I am. Um, and it's taught me a lot about hard work, et cetera. So I really played basketball from like age five to age 20. Um, so I, I went to North Carolina. You play, you play, you play, college, you play college after high school? Yeah. So when I left, a when I left Southeast Raleigh, I went to North Carolina A&T. Um, on a full ride. Did, did you get like big, like, were you like a big recruit? Like, uh, out of like, because I'm guessing North Carolina is like, I know it's, it's a, it's a basketball, like, like state. Like, so it's all about basketball over there. So did you get like looks to go, I don't know, like, is like Duke, like Duke, where like Duke, North Carolina and all those type of university, are they like recruiting like kids like, like, like you back in the day? Man, I wish that would have been the, that would have been the dream. So, yeah. you know, I think the way that our, our high school program was set up, we got a lot of great exposure. And so I did have some looks um, outside of outside of North Carolina, um, no looks from like a UNC, Duke, et cetera, like the large D1s. Um, I had a look from, um, what was it, like the US, US Army at West Point. Um, yeah. uh, there was another, like a, another small college, I think it was still division one in Connecticut. Um, I was, and then I was seriously considering going to Delaware State that I had a look there. And then um, North Carolina A&T came calling. And I think one thing for me, especially being a black woman, uh, my parents met at Cornell University um, yeah. back in 60s, 70s, I don't know how many years ago. Um, and, and one thing that like they always inspired upon my brothers and I, which is a really deep love of our culture. And so honestly, when I was looking at schools, I didn't want to go to a predominantly white institution. I didn't want to go to an Ivy League. Like I really wanted to go to an HBCU, and I learned a lot about that, especially in my junior and senior year in high school. Because you know, in, in North Carolina, you got Central and Durham, you've got Saint Aug and Raleigh. Like there's so many that are right around in that area, Shaw, etc. And so I really wanted to like have an at bat at going to an HBCU. I think I had a really, a really fortunate upbringing. I think I was exposed to a whole lot, but I really wanted to have a real deep exposure into my own culture. And so for that's me, something. at the end of the that's day. That's something like I'm, I'm from Canada, so like I don't. It's a uh, it's new to me. Like the HBCU is not new, mm -hmm. but like, I wish like when I was actually growing up yeah. as a basketball player that I knew about it because in Canada, obviously, like all you hear about like is like the big like D1 like schools mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And like I was like in high school and like, after that in prep school, and I was like looking for universities, and I ended up like going to like a Canadian university. I was really happy about it. Like, that I was with my wife over there, so I was like, that, that was like a love, like a love and basketball story actually with us. Like that's that exact love that movie, love and basketball. Um, who doesn't? That's just the yeah, best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, but that's like after Jerry Maguire, that's like the best movie ever. But, uh, yeah, debatable. <laughs> I think it beats Jerry Maguire, but I'm, I'm like not... debatable. <laughs> I did, I did watch uh, Jerry Maguire last week, and I was like crying. You can still, you can still, you can still like, cry. But I don't know if it's an overall yeah. better movie. I just <laughs> she's like, you can have your taste. It's just yeah. wrong. <laughs> I'll go back, but like the thing with with the like, love and basketball, and I don't, I don't want to go too much about it. But first, it's actually my the same story as me and my wife. That's love and that's like love and basketball. That's exactly my life. Okay. The uh, the other, the only thing is that the end. 
I'm the kind of professional athlete, and she's she she like she's not a professional athlete. But in lobby basketball, that's the, the contrary. That's it. And but the only thing is that what's the name of the actor, the 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 the, the, the man, Omar. Omar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not good at basketball. So that's that's the one. No, that's the one knock on the theme on the on the movie. He's not good. Like he's not he's or, not doing well on the basketball court. Or maybe it was a story ahead of its time, and it wasn't really about Omar becoming the hero. It was about a woman getting her moment to shine and being supported by a strong black man. I just we need more of that. Is just what I'm saying. I love it, but what I mean is like as a, as a sport movie, like the 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 woman was really. I, I thought she was really like really good as an actress, like and really good at basketball. And she, I remember, I still remember that she took a charge, you know, like in the practice and stuff like that. And I love, I just love that movie. It's a it's a great. It's a, actually it's a classic. great. Classic. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna listen to it like just like. Tonight with my wife. I feel like you need to go rewatch yeah. that. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, it's a perfect date night movie so, for you guys. Exactly. I would have loved, like, back in the days to know more about the HBCU thing yeah. because I think that's that's something that, like, and once you, like, grew up more as a black man, that's something that, yeah, why why do we have to go to that, like, D1 stuff, like, in, uh, and try to... I wouldn't say, like, make money for those schools, like, but kind of, kind of, like, and I'm kind of tired right now, like, I, I don't watch NCA that, that much, but I, I don't understand why, why people don't go now more and more. I know there's, there's a movement to HBC right now, yeah. but I'm feeling like there should be much more, like, uh, I don't know, uh, th- that's just my feeling. I know Chris Paul mm. is doing some great, amazing stuff. He's from uh, he's from North Carolina, too. A lot of great doing, people are. doing amazing stuff with the HBCU. So yeah, so so you went to HBCU uh, school. Yeah, I went to North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University out of Greensboro, North Carolina, affectionately known as A and T. Um, that was a great experience. I think for me, what I also learned within within my time there though is that like basket, I love basketball, but it it really gave me the, the school gave me a lot of exposure to other things that really opened my eyes to other things that I actually really really loved and wanted to do. And so I didn't finish all four years playing at A and T. I actually only played my full first season. Um, and then played about half of my second season. And it was at that point that I really wanted to dive deeper into academics. And so I began to leverage, like essentially I leveraged that seat that I had um, at the school to start really networking out. Um, And honestly, that's kind of where I began my foray into coaching basketball. So now at this point I coach. So when I was in college, I remember I started off kind of like the way I started off, coaching like a five and six year old team at the local YMCA. And can I curse? I curse all the time. Okay, great. And that shit was hard, right? Like <laughs> five and I was like, y'all just good. Y'all don't listen. Y'all don't do it. And it's interesting because I have like, I was studying education. And so for me, it was the perfect crossroads of child development and sports to coach kids, to give them an opportunity, to teach them skills, et cetera. Because for me, I think playing a sport is just so much more than the actual hard skills you learn of dribbling, shooting, et cetera. It really is about learning about teamwork. It's learning about like self-control. It's learning about pushing yourself. It's learning about grit and effort. And so like midway through my high, my college career, I was like, actually, I, I think I don't want to play anymore. Like I want to go really dive deeply into other aspects of my life and what I'm capable of. And, and I, you know, I have a lot of friends who, you know, either went semi-pro or went pro overseas, some in the States. And I'm just like, I love that that's your calling, but I learned that it's not mine. And like, I learned that I want my impact to be very different than playing a sport. I want to really be on the ground, boots on the ground. And that's why right now I work in education. Like I want to be there with children doing this work, supporting teachers and staff, 
um, to create opportunities for more kids the same way that people created opportunities for me when I was growing up. How important do you think it is um, that athletes have a conversation around maybe that aha moment of it's been great being a basketball player, but I really, I've been doing this, as you said, for 15 years, right? And I have this opportunity to go explore different outlets, different things, different creativities. You know, how important do you think that is to have conversations with athletes who may have, be, have been in a similar position as you? Yeah, I mean, I think that is so critical. And what I what I like loved and hated about playing college ball is I realized that unless an athlete really sought that out, right? Like having those conversations around what else is there to you, it's very it's very frequently just brushed under the rug, especially okay. in the in the NCAA like college like we're we kind of like all we like that's our job that's our life, mm-hmm. and I love that now we see the NCAA. And really a lot more schools just doing a lot more to make sure that they have robust programming that's intentional around showing athletes, like, let's talk about money management. Let's talk about careers outside, like, that can be related to sports, but may not be playing the actual sport. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about ways in which you can be in your community and giving back. And I think that is, like, to me, it's kind of like, again, I work in education. It feels like almost everything should have some kind of curriculum, but I feel like being a college athlete did not have that. Or, like, the curriculum was weights training like physical therapy (laughs) ice baths practice travel and games like that's your curriculum and within that there isn't necessarily intentional space created for you to really learn more about who you are and who you want to be and what impact you can have beyond just your sport because you can have so much impact within your sport i think that's that's, like when i I know when i was an athlete that was really really lacking like how do we Mm -hmm. like how do i think and i think honestly, between my parents, great mentors that I had, like, that's how I kind of came to that moment at such a young age to be like, this is going to be really, really hard. And like, it's going to be really difficult. And I'm talking about losing a scholarship mid-year and figuring out a way to pay for school and all the things. But I think, I think I had to like, not like grow up in the moment, but I think there was a real moment of like, what really makes you happy? And if it's not getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the weight room and do all this and then go to class and get all A's and then like try to be involved and have a social life, like what really brings you joy? And for me, it really was those moments that I was in class, working with peers, volunteering in the community. A part of my program, which is really dope, was that we had like an on-campus child development lab. And mm-hmm. when I was, I was talking to my academic advisor, it was going to be really difficult for me to engage in that part of the work because those hours in the lab were always during practice or weights or something. And so it's like, how do I even finish my degree program that I'm really passionate about and do like, and finish it with fidelity, right? And finish it, mm-hmm. finish it really well, learn a lot and be really successful on the court. And it came down to like, what do you, what do you really care more about? Um, so it, it's a really difficult decision for anybody to make, I think, to, to leave something that you love because when you lose something that is so interwoven into who you are, it really, it's, it's, it's like, it's like somebody dying, right? Like a, a part of you is pretty much dying and you have to experience that, that sense of how do you go through the grief and the grieving process of letting it go and releasing it. And I hate it for some people because they don't get a chance to do that and don't get support when they have to do that and end up, you know, wasting months, years of their life, you know, trying to grasp at straws or something that's no longer there. And like, they know it's no longer there, but it's their comfort zone. And so I think that there's a real need to support athletes in that way. It's funny what you said, because I, I'm actually wearing right now my pure athlete shirt. And what you just Love said it. is, like, is just a, 
that's for me a pure athlete is just just what you said like the, the last five minutes you, you talking I was like that's a pure athlete mm. okay that's someone who's just trying to maybe use sport or, or understand that sport is way beyond that win loss and stuff and one of the things that I actually when I was like growing up and yes I was like focusing on basketball but my, my fifth year of, of, of college over here I became really really in tune about like I wanted to help uh, like an orphanage in Uganda using sport Mm. And I uh, actually like created like a DVD and like start like while I was like studying like real like studying like physical therapy study and stuff like that. So I was actually being being an entrepreneur and because I knew like back like in my mind like I was like a kind of a I'm a, I'm a business I'm a businessman I'm, I'm someone who loves to do like creative stuff and stuff like that. And I was in college and I, I was I was not encouraged actually to 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 be that like and I think that's a I don't, it's not a knock on my college coach because I think like everybody's like old school about stuff and just got to be focused on, on your stuff. But I, I do feel that what you said about like, like the curriculum, if I had the, the help from people to say, you know what, man, you have like a great network, you got a great personality, you got a great aura about your, your, yourself, you're the, you're the most known basketball player from like, Like miles and miles around, like why not? Why not use your platform to do to do to do things and let me help you as like a class in in, in college or mm -hmm. class in college to learn all the different skills. Like so, now I have to learn everything like from like the get go. Like I have to learn how to do like the video editing, how to do the social media stuff, how to do now. Like there's so much stuff in business that I have to learn by myself. But if I could have learned that like in college, just like one or two classes to say, hey. This is how you can market yourself as an athlete, and you, you you can have a voice and stuff like that. I would have loved to do that, like just yeah. like as as soon as I finish, because I just like when I was finishing school, like I did go like on physical therapy, and after like one year, I was like, you know what? I, I knew like I studied that for nothing, not not nothing, because I love to I love to get my brain going, but I, I knew I was not going to be like a physical therapist all my life. Mm -hmm. And then after one year, I was like, you know what? I have to drop this thing, and I, I'll start coaching. And then, but there was always like a miss, uh, something missing. And the thing that was missing actually was the, the entrepreneur, artistic, like that I didn't develop in, in college. Like I, I just like realized like five years ago, I'm an artist. Mm. I'm someone who loves like to be an, an artist. Like, and uh, I'm not, I might, I might not be good at drawing because I was like taking too much time on my jumper <laughs> when I was younger and just like doing other stuff. But I'm an artist. Like I think like an artist, like, a, and I wish back in the days that somebody told me that you know what Dom take this class take this like business class while you, you're in college and take this like art artistic like class because you're an artist you're a guy that, that has a lot of creative creativity and don't be just like a basketball player and uh and, and when I was like when I finished like college people were like kind of surprised and always surprised when they talked to me like about like all deep like my, my pure instinct project is and stuff like that And because they always think, oh yeah, you, you you like that that good basketball, like the greatest basketball player from Quebec, like so you're a basketball player, like yeah, I'm a basketball player who just like decided to drop basketball for inventing a sport. I just don't care that much about basketball. Like I love basketball, like I, it's just my, my true first love. But in sports, but I'm so much more now, and I wish, just like you said, that I, that I had this like college experience that uh, just. A, I don't need much, like just, but that two or three classes or just that mentorship is a, hey, you know, Don, like, let's do this thing. So, yeah, I, I feel you on that, like, because uh, it, it, it could have saved me about, like, seven years of my life. 
<laughs> so let's let's go back a bit to your uh, to your um, your childhood a little bit. So I know you talk about your brother and some of that. So I, I love that kind of stuff. I didn't I didn't grow up with siblings, so that's something I'm missing. But now I have four kids, so I have a you they, made up they, for they, it. They good. Exactly, he's living his dreams out now through yeah, his children. So what is it? What is your purest sports moment? Like? When you t- when you think about think back about sport, is there like a, like some moments that you say, "Hey, this this how like this is why like I love sport. Like this, this is it." Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, I would really have to say it was that high school basketball team, that high school basketball experience. You know, I think you know I, I'm still super connected with a lot of my teammates from high school. Like we're we're like a small family. I, Something about that group, um, it it was just like, honestly, like being at practice, playing in games, it it was like poetry. It was like music. Like we're, we're we would just flow, and I think a lot of that, you know, is of course due to the coaches and having clear structures and creating great spaces for us. But something about the chemistry of that group was just it. It was a family, right? And we we would challenge each other, yeah, and push each other. Yeah, you're, you're the first. You're the first one I hear about because I've been coaching high school and I, I've always been trying to to create that kind of family experience. That's mm-hmm. something that was really, really important back in the days when I was coaching. Mm-hmm. And but you're the first one I hear, I hear talk about like the kind of deep love, like with like the teammates and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm wondering like, is what is that the coaching did? Because I'm guessing that the coach were might be special. Like just just hearing you, like was it like a special coach? I mean, I think my coaches were amazing. Um, I, you know, it was it was Coach Coach Powell, Coach Jones, and Coach Baker. And I think the three of them had such an interesting dynamic with us as high school girls um, that allowed us all to really be our true selves as young women. Um, and to an extent, it was kind of like good cop, bad cop, and like mom, right? Like each coach kind of played a role. Um, and to this, like, and I, I honestly say, like, for me, the most impactful was definitely Coach Baker. Um, and like to this day, I like still, still, we still have like a check-in call like once a quarter. Like we, you know, that that's that's my girl. And I think that there's something about you know when you have people who care deeply about the sport, and they all come together uh, with good intentions, with clear structures, you can do really powerful things. And that's one thing that I take now with me into the way that I coach when I work with my, I, and I specifically work with middle school girls. Um, I did some I did some work doing AAU with like middle and high school, but I found that I really love that developmental age of middle school because that is where you can really see those lessons that students need to better understand who they are as young people and as young humans in this world. Um, and also, middle just, school. Hmm? Middle school. I'm, I'm Canadian. Sorry. Oh, I'm so the way, our, the way our the way <laughs> Primary our school. American uh, the way our American school structure works is like elementary schools, like kindergarten through fifth grade, middle school is sixth through eighth grade which is like the most awkward years of anybody's lives you're like you're like yeah 12 to like 14. exactly and then you have high school that's like ninth through 12th grade right and so and like i also like definitely also shout out my my middle school coach i I play you know it's like strange how the world just comes back comes back around full circle i had the honor of playing for lavelle moton in in middle school who is now like he just had a special on ESPN Plus for the work that he's doing coaching at North Carolina Central. Wow. And I think about like all these super dope coaches I had during my career that really they all helped shape me into the woman that I am today. And in many, many ways, I think that it's so integral that you have coaches who are intentional 
in the way that they operate with you. It's not just about the sport. It's about how are you building these small humans and how are you putting them in situations where when the heat is rising, they know how to rise to the occasion. One thing that Coach Baker used to say that I still say all the time is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And what I know about our high school team is that we were super fucking talented. Like that, that, that group of girls, it was just, it was almost unfair when we went to a gym sometimes. Like I remember one summer league we played where we brought four players and we beat a team of like 10 people by like 60. Like it was disgusting. We were running presses with four people. We were not getting tired. It was almost like some super Saiyan type shit, right? Where it's like, who are the, like, who are these black girls from? And then like, we weren't all from Southeast Raleigh because it was a magnet school. So we were coming from North Raleigh, East Raleigh. Like you can kind of cherry pick to build your program, which I'm pretty sure is like is exactly what the coaches did when recruited the best people from across the city to build this team. But mm-hmm. they were so intentional with the way that they ran practices, with the way that they had conversations with us, the way we used to eat together before games, the way we used to pray before everything that we did. Like they were just so intentional about creating that space. I think we had no, and it, it kind of built a culture of like, either you're in the family or you're not, and you get to make the choice. And it's and I think what was great is that we didn't want to do it for the coaches. We built that family, we wanted to do it for each other. And so when yeah. like when we were rocking and rolling, like we were rocking and rolling. When we were, when we were pummeling teams, literally, and that is the literal word I would use because that is what we did. When we were pummeling teams with like full court press, for 30 minutes out of a 32 minute basketball game like it was all because everything was just so systematic and so intentional um and i i think that coaching matters and when you bring together the right group of people with an open mind as players and they lean into that structure and they lean into the like adults that care about them then you can have really amazing things happen like it's no it's not a mistake that gino does what he does at uconn yeah it's not a mistake i I think i think people like the like men, okay, men should should take one year of their life to coach high school basketball girls. Uh, I did I did it once, like uh, in to this day, it was probably my best year of coaching ever. Like, and mm. I, I love all all the teams that I did and stuff like that. I just love them. I just love to coach. I, I'm just I'm just born to coach. I just love to coach. Mm. But coaching high school girls is so much different because. Just what you say, like sometimes when you're coaching guys, you're coaching basketball. But when you're coaching girls, you're really, really, really coaching girls that are playing basketball. It's it's like a if you if you come in the, in the gym and you just start start talking about basketball and who are we playing and stuff like that, they're gonna like right, whatever. You have to talk to them, like you, like girls. Like you have to be like intentional and you have to be intelligent when you talk to them. And if you do this, if you respect them enough, like as human being, that's when actually just the flow of you, of you, like that's what I realized when I was coaching. I was like, if you respect, if you respect them as athlete, and that's one of the things that we actually we do a panel right uh, pretty soon about about women. How can we just like like change the culture like completely like in sports right now? But I believe that if you if you treat women as athlete and treat you uh, like them as human being before like talking about just the, the sport itself that's where like the flow of what you're talking is i'm guessing that's why that's why you, you have such a, a fun memory because like the memory you have right now like you get like it gives me like give me chills like i'm like yeah like, 
Like this, I, I want to be. I want my girls like the, to be. I have like three girls. I want them like to, 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 to be able like to like have this kind of a relationship with their coach and teammates like all their life. Like it's yeah. it's way more than just like winning losses. Like, I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's crazy. Like I'm getting emotional sitting here because I can without a doubt say you know my two boarding school coaches, Davey and Talbot, they saved my life multiple times. Hmm. Not even being a high school student. And going through what you go through in high school as a woman, understanding a sport where, especially in hockey, there isn't a professional level. So it is college and then that's it. Um, and understanding your, you know, Emily, talk about this grief that you have to go through. And, you know, they talk to you about that and the role of being both a parent and a guardian. And, you know, those lessons, once again, you have that one quote from your coach, the quote that my coach always told me was control what you can control and it just sits in your head for the rest of your life mm -hmm. and so for me being someone that has had these phenomenal coaches that has not only dictated my athletic career but dictated the way that I approach business my relationships everything in between yep I mean for me that's why I went back and got my coaching license mm. because I was like if I could do a percentage of what my coaches I'm lip yeah chills I could could have done for me and, you know, I've said this to them many times, but they truly saved my life multiple times. Yeah. And if I could do even an inch of that for another girl, I've done something special. So was that kind of a similar feeling that got you back into coaching of kind of giving back to that feeling that you received in that time? And I would love to hear more about, right, the choice of middle school, because especially as a young woman, as a young athlete, a lot of the time you might be taller than the boys or stronger than the boys. And this is also where you're starting to form a lot of the time, just all girl teams as well. Yeah. So we'd yeah. love to hear your choice behind that. No, I, I think one, like that's absolutely why I wanted to coach, right? Like I, I got to marry two things that I love, right? Which to be frank, it's like leadership development and basketball. Because I truly believe that a good coach is not teaching you to be a good athlete. It's teaching you to be a good person. And and, and Dom, what you shared around in like coaching women versus coaching men, a part of me feels like that's what's missing with coaching men. Like there's no reason 100%. we shouldn't do those things with men, but we make the assumption that, that boys don't need it. And then we end up with young men who don't know how to process their emotions. We end up with young men who don't know how to like navigate and work in teams because they're even being, a lot of them are being coached in an individual way. And I think it takes a very, like it takes a very humble man. And I think a very secure man to actually be that person that's willing to be vulnerable and go, go into that, go down to that level with those boys and those young men, where it's not that being a man is being tough, being a man is being human. And when you're human, you're going to have to experience digging into those emotions and, and like leading when it's hard and not always thinking about yourself and things like that. But to I speak mean, to men, your men in sports, men in sports are so dumb. Seriously, they're dumb. Like, they're just like, uh, this, this, dumb we, can, like, we can talk about this all day. I, I, I'm, an, I'm an educator at heart. So like for you to say men in sports are dumb, I'm like, I think that's because men in sports haven't been challenged to think. And if we put them in situations yeah, like, with coaches like, that aren't going to challenge them to think, there's no other option but for them to stay dumb. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like some of the time, like, I, I, like they get so mad. Like I, I think, like guys get so mad with with like the the, the like the win and losses stuff, and they don't they, they, they rarely see like the big picture of sport. Like it really, like, it, just what you said, like it really takes like an educator today to be out there and say, hey guys, and let's talk about sport. Let, and I, I do believe that that like that they should like I, I think we, we should like teach a little bit a little bit less of the rah rah for the men's mm -hmm. and just like you said like having them like be coached a bit like women and i, I, I think that, that 
I think that women can can teach us so much more like in sports than we that 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 what we take right now. Like, uh, and I just like I, I just vibe so much with what she's saying right now. Yeah. Because, like, there, yeah. there's so much there's so much thing right now that I, I feel that, and we can have a, a different conversation another, another we can, time about that. We can because because what you're talking we about, can go off because what you're talking about is literally the personification of what just happened at the NCAA, where the men got everything and the women got nothing, right? Like these are these are entrenched systems that have created this mindset that men need everything but don't need to process anything, and that women have to carry the burden of all the emotions that allow men to go forth and essentially reinforce this white male patriarchal capitalistic society and do whatever they want to do. But we could that we we I come back. I'll come back. We could do a we could yeah, do a whole second. No, episode what, what you're gonna do like actually? We're <laughs> gonna try to get you on a panel. I don't know if you if, if you have to work like uh, at what time, but. I'll send you a date on some of the panel. Send me some time. We keep talking. Let me send you like a, a curveball because I, I like to hear well, wait, you wait. talk like all day. Oh, wait, oh, but can I, yeah, but can so I speak they, to Bianca's question though about middle, yeah, yeah, why middle school? Yes, about middle school women. Yeah, um, and so when it comes down to like where do you make the insertion point for supporting mm -hmm. someone in their development, those middle school years from a brain development perspective, are insanely critical because the human brain is shifting, molding, adjusting in ways they're experiencing new emotions. They're having new chemical imbalances as they're heading into puberty. And that's just such a critical space in time that I believe it's important. I think it's at my house right now. Hold on a second. Welcome to New York where the ringers are probably almost as piercing as an ambulance noise. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> And I'm just going to look not, they can just deliver that package later. Um, I, I believe it's so critical because of the developmental stage that humans are at in those prime years of like 11 to 14. That's when you need to have really critical, really direct mentors in your life. It took some, let me just let them in. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. Let's just pause. It's no, no problem. Just chilling. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's like the one sound in my house I can't turn off or control. Whose basketball uh, post is there like, just behind you? Oh, that's my son. I have a three-year-old. I love. Do do you play it with it yourself? I totally would. Yes, I have shooting contests <laughs> by myself in the house. Like I'll go across the living room and I'm like shooting across the house. Just I love that so you much. You gotta stay warm. You gotta you, you gotta stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Um, love it. But when it comes to the middle school girls, I think that age is just so critical. You have mm -hmm. to connect with children when they're in a developmental stage to be able to take those lessons in, and that really helps form and mold who they will become. And so for me, working with the middle school age group was so critical for specifically with girls, because I remember my middle school experience. I remember feeling awkward. I remember not feeling confident. I remember having just like struggles with like my own like body management and sweating in different places. Now it's just like, it's too much. And you need people that are going to have direct conversations with you about what's happening to you and how you can navigate that. And I think what's also important is build confidence in who you are. Because if you don't have that strong foundation of confidence, by the time you get to ninth, 10th, 11th grade, 
you know, you may be doing behaviors that you don't need to be doing. You may have missed opportunities that could have really shifted the trajectory of your life. And so for me to take in this middle school age, I think it's so important because the, this is when, and I work with, I, I work with black and brown girls, of course, this is when black and brown girls need straight talk, period, period. They need to be told you're being ridiculous. Why aren't you listening? You need to sit down. Give me your rationale for this. They need to build the skills to talk about what's happening to them because in so many ways they get silenced. And so for me, I chose that age group because I think it's so important to bring voice to those, to those young women. I think it's important that they learn structure. They learn how to lean on each other as women because basketball is not a one man sport. You can't do anything by yourself. You'll be exhausted. You will fall all the way out. And I've had girls that I'm like, I can teach you that lesson. You want to do this by yourself? Great. You, I, I'm like, I, sometimes I go like Coach Carter. I'm like, yeah, you got a hundred suicides. See me when you're done. Assistant coach, keep track of the number. And by the time they get to 40, they're already crying. And I'm like, let's have a conversation. Like, I don't make them get to hundred, but it's like, you want to go like, go, go, go be by yourself and let me know how, that, how that's going to help you. And so then like so, for some of them, you have to be a little bit harder to break that shell because in many ways they're, you know, grow like New York is a hard city to grow up in. They're exposed to so much so early. And it's like, I want to give you a little bit of innocence, but also toughen you up. And so I love that age group. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I actually don't like coaching high school as much because they think they know everything. And I'm actually like, y'all don't know anything. You're so close <laughs> to being free that I'm afraid if you don't listen to me, then you're going to make some real mistakes. But mm -hmm. in some situations, it's like high school for me feels like almost too late of an insertion point for some of these do children. Feel, do you feel maybe for the, for the, for the, the it, it might be different for, uh, for the men though, because from what, what I, because I have, I have a daughter, I would have loved you. I, I might send you my daughter for the, for the summer <laughs> at some point, but she, she, my, she's my hourly rate is not cheap. Yeah, I, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> she, she's actually, she's actually starting to learn English right now in nice. school. Like, so she's in English right now and she loves it. And she actually uh, started basketball too. Uh, she started late a bit, but she loves it actually. She, I coached her, I coach her last last uh, last year, and she's right into what you just said. Like she, you can see like she doesn't understand herself, and like the she's kind of in this uh, a sweet spot where there's so much information right now. She, the, it, what is a friend? Like she doesn't know what's a friend right mm -hmm. now because like, it's like everything's like it's like it's is. Her universe is like shattered right now. Like I can every every night, like I, I go in her bed, and it's like she's always like, oof. Like there's something. Like this, it's always something. It's, the weight it's of the world. Right. But I, I'm I've been coaching like I, I've been coaching also like men's and all that, and I feel that like for for the men, for the, the guys over here, I don't know. Like it's just me, but it seems that what you just said said to me, it's for me, it's like. Four years after that, like for for what I see, like before that, for the men's, the guys, they just like playing, like just, just like they just like, oh, I, I like I like to play, play, play. They just want to play, and then when they get to let's say seventeen or six, like sixteen or seventeen, that's when they want to talk. Yeah, they, they, they want to be, they want to be. It's starting to get like a bit more like, yeah, you know what? Like I have I have questions, like like and I don't know. Do you feel? Do you feel that if you were like to coach uh, men, that maybe you would be more comfortable with the having go to go like high schooler or something like that? I mean, I think that there's there's just something special about those middle school years for both boys and girls, just like the way that the human brain is developing. But we also, you know, 
over time, like biology and science has shown that like men develop a little bit later than women. And so I think that like the insertion point, I think for boys that can be really powerful is like that eighth, ninth, 10th grade where they've experienced a little bit more, but to an extent, I really feel like it goes back to like high quality, good coaching, right? Like a coach that has intention, a coach that has structure, a coach that's going to like cut through the bullshit for some of these kids and push them in ways they're uncomfortable being pushed because that's how you grow. And so, you know, I, I've like never really thought about coaching boys because I'm like, I don't like, that's too much ego for me. Like I, I'm, mm -mm. because to be frank, some of y'all, I remember at, um, like I, I, the, in the network of schools that I work with, we have a boys school and they're like, you don't know how to play basketball. You're a girl. I said, let, let me just have him for 10 minutes. I took him back to class 10 minutes later. He was sweating buckets and he was like, yo, she knows how to play basketball. I said, oh, okay. Anybody else want to say anything? And so it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to have to go through like the ego cut through that, that needs to happen for some of these young men, because I think it goes back again to like white male patriarchal society in which men are, many men from the outset are taught they are better. They don't need to listen to women. They, like, I'm not even trying to deal with a lot of that, to be honest. What I would love to do, to be frank, is like develop strong women who then birth these boys and teach them the lessons from the beginning. So it's like, what's yeah. the insertion point? How do you like really create exponential change? I don't know if I'd really want to coach boys. I'd probably give it a go if I had an opportunity to do so. Um, and I know they'd be good. Like, I know I'm going to win games. We, we, we're going to get buckets. But I think that they're like, for me, I think like I, I love the impact of working with girls so much that, you know, it'd be fun to work with boys, but like it feels meaningful to work with girls in a way that's different. Got you. Yeah, I got you. I got you about that. And it's funny because last last year, my my daughter, she wanted to, she wanted to start basketball like the first time. She never wanted to start basketball, but then like she, ah, I'm a, I'm gonna start basketball. So I was like, let's start a basketball team. So she went to her principal and she asked for to she she did a petition actually in a in her school like so, so to make sure that we have like an all girl team and stuff like that. So we end up having like 20 girls in the gym like two times a week, and it was a blast. Like the girls like enjoy and stuff like that, and it was so much fun for me like as a as just a, as a father, but just like and. When we brought in all the parents after like a we like twenty practice that they didn't know like what what we were doing actually they didn't know like over here basketball is not that big so it's just like okay let me let me see like them playing and I think for some parents it was like wow like this is the first time I see my kid like smiling that much like playing a sport and just like enjoying like like being like a strong like what did you say like a strong woman like. I think there's nothing like more beautiful than a girl that's just like feel good in her in her skin and just just go go out there and just like I like to play hard and that and that's it. So because I have my, my daughter like she and Bianca she knows a little bit who I'm talking about like she's seven, never seen like a fierce like girl like this in my, all my life. Just she's like skateboarding, basketball, anything, and, she, and she's like I can do it. Like just like you said, like I can do it. Like no problem. Like boys, what like she she does like. She's like crushing everyone like school. Like she's like, what do you mean boys? Like I don't care. And I just feel like you might be right though. You might be into something that we might be like if we put like more energy into like just teaching girls that are that like it's so strong. Like they, 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 there's no reason that we like I, I always say that it's all we all athletes and that's one of the yeah. one of the slogans for the, the, the one of the campaign I'm doing is like we we just all athletes and that. We should stop the like if you if you talk to a real athlete and I'm sure you, you may, might have some friends like that. If you talk to a real athlete that play real ball or real hockey or real stuff, they'll tell you like girls hockey or girls basketball. It's the same thing. Like they, like most like real real athletes, you're gonna respect like you know 
you're gonna respect like you talk to your double uh, NBA guy and he talks about like the WNBA, he's gonna say, Hey, those girls have like they get mad games like so yeah, it's just the people the people who don't know who don't play basketball at, let's say high level they be hooping they, they're the ones saying oh like girls don't straight up and stuff like that like yeah but like who cares yeah they make assumptions they, yeah and they don't they don't know the effort they don't know the fire I mean Emily how important do you feel Dot? and I know how Dom feels about this because his daughter is an absolute spitfire and I'm so excited for her um, how important do you think it is for, you know, you're talking about, right, middle school and that high school is even too late to encourage that fire, to teach girls how to hone that, to also yeah. show them, you know, hey, you might have some adversity when you go and say, oh, I play hockey or oh, I play basketball. And they're like, oh, but it, you play girls. And you're like, yeah, so I have to have more skills than you. Or like, yeah. you know, be able to really look into that and, and hone it, but use it in a way that isn't combative. Because yeah. sometimes we see that with coaches that yeah. they try and, have girls wear it more as a ch um, chain link armor instead of it being actually a part of them. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like my real answer is like, I want us to move as a society to a place where it's not even a conversation that a woman has to have. Right. Like, like, does it really have to be still be this, like you're a girl, so you can't like, how do we begin to, to, sh to craft the way that we are raising our children so that it doesn't become mm -hmm. a girls or less than narrative that we even have to debunk. Um, but to be honest, that's I, I want to teach these young women to be super confident. I want to teach them to have, you know, the ability to compete irrespective of the level um, and have opportunities to compete at every level. Right. Like the fact that, you know, there's no professional women's hockey leagues like that, that you could have gone into after college. Like, why? For what re Like, for what reason? And how do we make sure that there are spaces that we're creating so people can continue to do what they love to do? And of course, like, it's not always going to be able to be monetized and turn into a huge, big league, et cetera. But I think if we, you know, as a society work to make sure that there is more gender equity, we don't even have to have those types of conversations that unfortunately so many people who blaze trails for us, Billie Jean King, like there's so many athletes out there who were the first to do something and it like, and had to deal with ridiculous amounts of discrimination on the basis of gender, like discrimination on the basis of all these different factors exactly. that like, we're trying to get to equity here. like. There's no reason that men should get to do it and women don't. And if a woman tries to do it, that she's looked at as like, yeah. well, are you trying to be a boy? It's like, no, I'm trying to be a woman. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just trying to be a woman, like a woman who loves to do X. And so why does that make me into being a man? Why do I have to be categorized yeah. as a tomboy? Like, why can't I just be an athlete? I'm like, I'm like getting chills. I'm like the damn tomboy thing. Well, what I will say <laughs> is, as a correction is um, when I was in high school, there was no um professional league for women but now there is the pwpha for women as That's well right. as yep. the nwhl um but they're obviously you know still dealing with their own things the isabel cup had to get rescheduled twice because of covid and yet men are still out here playing nhl games left and right yeah that all being said you know as so we usually at one point try and ask you know we've already asked what's your purest sports moment but as a coach what has been a moment like your nft moment right like as a coach mm. what is something that you could have that you wish that there were video cameras around that you could hold forever because i love talking to you as an athlete but i feel more passion in your words when you talk about coaching mm. you know i'm not gonna say the child's name because she'll probably come find me and be like yo why did you say that <laughs> I, I've, I've coached a number of young women um and 
nothing is more inspiring than, and this happens, this has happened multiple times. So there's like a couple of girls I'm thinking about, but one specifically, nothing is more inspiring than when you have a young woman who keeps telling you she can't do something and then she does it. And then she does it in a moment that's like pivotal for her team. So I've had a scholar who like, for some reason, she's just like, I can't shoot layups. I can't shoot layups. And like, we would do mad drills. And I'm like, at this point now, you 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 can't do it because you you choose not to do it. Like you're you're literally putting up a mental block. Um, and to watch this young woman, we were playing in a game, and it was a game that you know the team was doing really well in. Um, but then like the other team has started catching up, and and to watch her, she she scored the winning shot on a layup yeah. um, in a game, and it was just like she's just crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? And she's like, Coach, I did it. And I was like, I've been waiting for you to do it. I've known all along that you could do this. I was waiting for you to catch up. Like, welcome to the party. Can we just, can we go, can, can we really hoop now? Like, are you done? Can we really hoop? And she was like, I got you, coach. I got, and she ended that season as one of my like strongest players, right? Like she, it was like watching her blossom right there in real time um, because she like got out of her own way. Um, and not saying like I did that. I think it was, of course, like a group of folks who continued to like nurture her greatness and push her and, you know, stay like my assistant coaches stay extra hours to, to coach her give her more at bats but it's, it's almost it's, it's really is that moment when like practice meets the moment um that i've seen happen for many of my girls who start who start off not confident but then the when the moment arrives they're able to pull themselves up and meet it and i think that is where a light bulb switches from for many of these young kids and it's like i'm like yes yeah, so take that and go do it in math class and take that and go do it in this part of your life like you, you've now proven to me that you can no longer say can't. Like I'm loving basketball, can't shouldn't be in a man's vocabulary. I don't think can't should be in anybody's vocabulary. You've now proven to me, you've proven to yourself that you can actually do that when you decide to be vulnerable and try. I want you to take that same level of vulnerability, that same level of courage into everything else in your life that you're going to do. And so it's like it, those I, moments I think, I think are the ones that I always like. Like when I watch like, a girl who's like, I can't shoot jump shots, like hit her first jump shot in the game and like mill the game. She runs off the court to hug me. I'm like, the game is still going. Get on the court. It's like those moments have just always been so, for me, like magical to be honest as a coach and as a human, where you're seeing somebody like that preparation meets the moment. and they finally get a chance to show themselves who they can really be and how confident they can be. And that's just always really special.